Thank you. 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 Here I am again with my sweet sister. So happy that she's joining us again for the podcast today to talk more about her book that's upcoming. And uh, if you remember last time we were together, we talked about the sort of journey to move through the life situations that brought her to the actual ability and the time and the space to write the book in the first place, which was amazing. That story is awesome. If you didn't catch that one, go back and get it. I think it's episode two and check it out. I will put in the comments links to her website, links to information about the book, her Facebook page. She's offering a lot of really cool things like parenting e-tips for those people who have children with special challenges that they're meeting. And so without further ado, it's me and Deb again. You get to listen in. It's one of my favorite conversations when I get to talk to my sister about her creativity. And so here we are. Hi, Deb. Hi, Lori. I'm so glad to be back together. And it kind of feels really great because the last one, remember, was about the letting go and that we sometimes have this way we think things need to go and God is serving it up on a platter to us and we're not wanting to go there. And finally, what happens when you allow that surrender and actually actually do the thing that maybe he knew you needed to do all along. So that's kind of, I guess, part two of the sandwich, which is uh, the book. Yes, the book, the book, Capable. Capable, and we we do we have a date for release yet? No, we do not. Okay. Um, but we're getting closer and closer, and I'm, I'm the really journey excited. continues, right? Yeah, I'm really excited about some of the endorsements and um, attention that the book is getting, and not because I need the book to get attention, but because truly, um, you know, I had one purpose, and that's one purpose in writing this is that um, hopefully by telling my uh, parenting journey, warts and all, um, I can, in some small way, inspire others to parent intentionally and courageously so that their child um, get that message, that all-important message that he or she is capable. So that's the purpose. I know um, we're getting close to that, um, and uh, I I guess I, all I could say is stay tuned um, for uh, that release date. Yay. Well, and of course you want the book to get attention. I'm sorry to just slip in a little coaching here (laughs) because this story is going to help so many people. And honestly, I feel like it's not only for people who have children with challenges because the story itself is frankly heartwarming, entertaining, and seriously, just a great read. So Yes, people. the book deserves attention, and I can't wait for it to get its due. Well, my, that's my hope. I've, I've had, like, a cross-section of readers, and folks have said that, yeah, uh, parenting is difficult under the best of circumstances, and it's nearly impossible when somehow, based on some measure, um, the world has uh, judged your child as somehow less than. So I think I've had folks read 
that um, found it relatable, whether their kid was just all the way from whether their kid was just going through the oppositional teen years all the way to um, folks whose kids were um, facing some serious challenges. Yes, yes, yes. And I got to be one of those people who got to read it ahead of time. And it was really an excellent journey to be on with you, even though I was with you in in real life, because having not lived it, (laughs) getting to relive all those things with you was um, really a gift because the culmination and the sort of overview of how you dealt with unwavering tenacity. Well, I'm sure you feel like you wavered a few times, but honestly, the theme of, you know, of the way, you know, you're human, right? So moving through all of that was just inspiring to watch as it was happening. And it was inspiring to read again. So um, do you want to tell us a little bit of, you want to tell people a little bit about the book or? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so it's, it's written as narrative nonfiction. Um, and again, it, it lays out, it lays out my parenting journey. Um, it weaves in the relevant research and stories of others, um, all based on the premise that parental beliefs and behave, parental beliefs influence behaviors and those behaviors can make a big difference in the life of a child. So the idea is that what we do as the most influential people in our kids' lives really matter. And so that notion of high expectations parenting is that those messages that we send to our kids um, can make a big difference. So by um, using the research and the story um, together, I hope to give par- I hope to give parents a real visceral experience of what my journey was like, and then at the same time um, inspire them to say, "Hey, yeah, she did this, and it worked for her kid." And it might work for mine too. Yes, yes. So, when you when you go over the book, and is there a portion you want to read to us, or do you want to tell us a little bit more first? Because I think that there's yeah, an excerpt. I guess I, can, I guess I I guess I would say that. Um, um, so my story begins when um, uh, my son is born. My son is born and diagnosed with a uh, rare genetic syndrome. And I, and I talk through those intentional parenting decisions, but tell it as a story. Um, I, made, I made the intentional choice not to write as a handbook, but to write, um, I felt that the, the experience was best told as story, because in story, we can understand, we can, we can feel those emotions, we can understand what it's actually like to do the work of high expectations parenting. And, and I felt that that would be more helpful to parents than a handbook format um, in terms of giving them a sense of what it's like to take, to take on um, high expectations parenting. Absolutely. So this is why this podcast exists because I love stories. And stories are so much more inspirational than um, step one, step two. Right. Uh, or, you know, it's, 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 I think that's why I told this story before, but I will say it again. When I read the book, I came home from a trip and said to people that I had spent time with my sister. 
And because it really felt like I was with you. I mean, like it honestly it just rolled off my tongue. I was telling them, oh, yeah, I got to spend all this great time with Deb. And I went, wait a minute. Nope, she wasn't even there. But I had reading the book. I felt like I really did get to spend time with you. And as I said before, if the world gets to spend some time with my sister, it is a gift. That That is so kind, Lori. That is so kind. So what I when I had to go back and think about this book, um, I thought... I really thought that, you know, the reason for writing was to inspire others to parent intentionally and courageously, as I said. But it was also, it also turned out to be a lesson in humility and gratitude for me. It ended up as kind of, uh, to use your metaphor, a four-year labor of love that turned into one big, not just a sandwich, but almost a gratitude footlong, if you will. Because there were so many uh, times as I went back through and in order to write, um, I traveled kind of those roads again as my, in my mind to tell that story as it naturally unfolded over about 20 plus years. And I was purposely chronicling the events and experience and incidents, things that happened to capture those feelings, those emotions, those, the decisions that were made, the path that were taken to give parents that experience. Um, and there was a lot of pain in that. There was a lot of pain in that in going back through those and remembering exactly what that felt like to wish I was just the mom who got to um, sit and enjoy uh, snacking with other moms at the park instead of constantly feeling like I had to do something to make sure my child was constantly getting the challenge they needed. And I was I was almost jealous of those of those parents who could just sit back and have the mm, the audacity to um, complain about little things when I felt that every moment was precious to my child and, and every moment that I wasn't enriching, he was falling behind. So there was a lot of pain in that, but there was a, there was a lot of pleasant surprise and a lot of unexpected kind of grati- sources of gratitude that welled up that I stumbled on like, little presence along the way. So it was like, wow, this was really hard. But then I then I started seeing or recognizing all the things that I was thankful for along the way as I recounted that journey. Well, and so as you lived your own life from birth, frankly, <laughs> all the way through, you know, I feel like you were prepared for such a time as this. You know, I feel like that your situation would have turned out differently for other people because everybody doesn't have your background and your experience as just being Deb uh, as a baby all the way up through, um, you know, your special ed um, uh, studies and um, educational psychology, PhD. And I feel like God knows so well what we can handle, right? And, you know, gives you the children that you can help along the way to, to become all that they can become because of who you already were. And do, does that feel like that resonates for you? Because, well, you know, I. I appreciate that. And I think, I wonder if that's true of all of us. We're all prepared for a time such as that in which we find ourselves. And actually, uh, it, with um, 
given some uh, feedback from a very important reader of mine um, that's here with me right now, I actually added a chapter talking about just that notion of how we all have a moment. We're, we're all, we all have a moment, a place within, deep within ourselves from which we, from which we draw um, this, this bottomless well of perseverance. And, um, and I think it's from that place. I think we all have that place. And when we access that, um, you know, we don't know what things are possible, but I think, I think everybody has that place should they access it. Mm-hmm. Yes, agree. Uh, so, so I and I would say that the first thing I'm grateful for was um, I was grateful as I started writing this. I realized I was grateful for the moment um, because the moment in which I was writing when I started in 2016 was a moment which in which education, psychology, and sociology were all kind of coming together. All these fields coming together with an interest in how people succeed. So this, you know, there's uh, grit, the book Grit, Angela Duckworth, um, Mindset, um, Carol Dweck, uh, um, How Children Succeed. Uh, all those books together were looking at kind of from different perspectives, whether a medical model, an education model, or a sociological model, how people succeed. And so that kind of was a springboard for me for thinking about, you know, what is the role of grit? and persistence and our mindset. And so it allowed me, so that moment, I think this moment is a good one because um, we're, we're, all fields are coming together. Everyone has an interest in that. Even the, even as you know, even popular literature, right? So it was a great time to think about how we encourage success and it and allowed me to look back at early research around expectations around 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 parental beliefs and behaviors and how they shape the messages that our kids get and so yeah and inside of that oh sorry i was just saying that first uh that was my that was my first kind of realization of real gratitude because i think the moment um made the time right yes to do this kind of writing Absolutely. And so, you know, you were talking about parent mindset and what I think even for folks outside of this particular story, as far as parenting mindset and then all this information sort of coming to fruition or to a head all at once, it as just as a regular as an individual person, right? The idea that this neuroplasticity of the brain or the fact that the brain, you know, doesn't stop Mm -hmm. you know shrink so much and you can't learn more that whole you know myth that we used to believe just not that long ago that we couldn't do better we couldn't change we couldn't grow we couldn't continue to learn as we aged that i think also caught the attention of more people than you know than you know just the success people it's kind of like wait (laughs) you know so i think all of that it's true knowledge in mindset and um grit and those books were really well received by the population because it was also some great hope, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and I think I talk a lot in the book about you know unleashing the power of yet in the book, mm-hmm. and and what we need to do as parents, no matter where our kids' current level of functioning is. I, I just talked to some readers whose who um, whose children have significant challenge or non-vocal communicators um, have a lot of a lot of challenges going on, and we talked about regardless. Um, 
looking at looking at where you are in terms of or not here yet, as opposed to um, looking at those challenges as absolute, is the coin of the realm. Whether whether you have a whether you have a child who's who's challenged by some ADHD, or whether you have a child who has who has severe autism or um, has some severe physical um, physical needs. So I like that notion that it's universal, and I'm finding that out from my readers because. Um, Folks that are reading are saying, "Yeah, that that pertains to me too. That pertains yeah. to kid too." And the and each child is unique and is in a very different situation. But that notion of of unleashing the power of yet um, applies regardless. Yes. So um, I don't know. Do you want do you want to launch into it? What do you want to do, Laura? Yeah. Can you read us? Excerpt, or are you ready for that? Do you want to tell some more about? See what that kind of gives you an overview of the book, and I, I do want to read a little excerpt because it kind of gives a note. It kind of gives you a sense of of the book as story. Um, and this is just a little piece um, from when Jack was really small. Awesome! Bring it on. Like any parent with a compromised child, I continue to scan the landscape for even the slightest sign that Jack was with us and that he was fighting. Finally, one came during another one of Dr. Friedrich's hunting expeditions. The doctor had insisted upon what the nurses explained in hushed tones as a very painful test whereby a needle is inserted into the lower abdomen and directly into the infant's bladder to to obtain urine. This test was yet another in search of that ever elusive enzyme that Friedrich was sure was the source of all Jack's troubles. I dreaded the idea of seeing my baby subject to any type of pain. If it is uncomfortable for you, you may choose not to be present for the procedure, dripped Friedrich's accent. The good doctor clearly didn't know who he was dealing with. You bet your goose step I was going to be there. No way I was going to let my baby go through this ordeal alone. So there I stood pressed against the cold steel of the examining table, stroking Jack's flaccid forearm. Dr. Friedrich, whose character at this point I have completely villainized, possibly unfairly, was poised with a needle that looked like a deadly weapon in comparison to Jack's spare frame. His chest imperceptibly rising and falling with the hum of the ventilator. Friedrich lowered the needle toward Jack's exposed abdomen and was just about to puncture the tissue-thin skin when my son fought back, the only way a three-and-a-half-pounder can. He shot a stream of pee directly into the air. The urine was a heat-seeking projectile that found its target as surely as if there was a bullseye painted squarely on the doctor's face. A slow smile then spread on my own. The nurse in attendance and I side-eyed each other and suppressed a shared giggle. Friedrich motioned the same nurse who resumed a straight face as she dutifully handed him a surgical towel. He stoically mopped his brow, abandoning his mission, grumbling as he walked away, something about how now there was no point to the test as there was nothing left to collect. Excuse the bad pun, but I admit that Jack was not the only one who was relieved as I quietly reveled in the fact that my son has escaped the giant needle. 
I looked for the procedure to be rescheduled, but it was not, and to this day I can't explain why. Was what I witnessed an involuntary biological function or a sign of personal agency? As irrational as it may seem, I grabbed a hold of this incident as a sure sign that Jack was gaining ground. And at the same time, I too was gaining ground. I prefer to think that Jack showed what in today's parlance might be likened to grit. And so it was that Peepygate became the mantra for an expression of will, of presence, a life force that was emerging within my son. That's my favorite. I'm so glad you chose that. That's one of my favorite excerpts from the book because it's just this moment, like I'm sitting here going, yay, as soon as the piece streaks out because I know uh, how the struggles you had with figuring out what the deal was and how many ways you and Jack were subjected to just so much probing and so much looking in the wrong place, which I mean, I understand the medical community has to do on some level, but it had gotten to the point at that point where, you know, I know that the goose stepping comment cracks me up a lot because I know that this particular doctor really was a huge source of pain for you. And, um, and you just, I, it, tell me where I'm wrong. It feels, I, if I remember, you didn't feel very understood by him. Um, and you felt like he was just sort of going through the motions of doctoring and not really any sort of decent bedside manner. I think some of that we have to save for readers of the book because later on we find out that maybe all of Friedrich's machinations were leading to something. But awesome. even so, at the time, certainly what you're saying is true. And for me, in, in the context of this gratitude uh, footlong that we're talking <laughs> about today, um, for me that was um, what that what this piece. Um, symbolizes for me is that, you know, as parents, as as um, caregivers, recognizing, identifying um, wherever we see signs of personal agency, no matter how small, no matter how slight, no matter how irrational, and using them to build that mindset that, wait a minute, we're here now, but where are we going next? Yes. And so to me, that that's kind of a baby step. Um, in that in that mindset that I think is critical if we want to we want to see not what is for our child but what is possible yes for what we know what is what was at the time was there were, weren't many signs of life right and so to imagine what is possible um, is, is is where we have to live so, so that yeah such a great excerpt, such a good choice. Thank you so much. I know that all of our listeners are probably like going, ooh, I can't wait to read more. And you should feel like that because this book is really a page turner. Um, and I know that I may be biased, but mm -hmm. I'm telling you, it's, it's entertaining as well as informative. Thank you. Well, and I don't know, um, Lori, where you're at, but when I talked about um, those notions of stumbling on these sources of gratitude as I went through the labor of love of writing the book, um, you know, some of the others that I might offer are uh, gratitude for the professionals. Um, 
throughout. There's there's an army of professionals that go in and out of the revolving door of your life when you have a child who challenges it. And just realizing and being able to be grateful for those who are enthusiastic and favored kids in ways that helped. But also now looking back, having gratitude for some of those who, um, who beat us up a little bit because of what we learned from them. Um, you know, there are plenty of stories and I'll, I'll save them for readers of the book, but of oven, oven mitts and alpha smarts where um, <laughs> a lot of things that um, professionals said needed to happen. And part of the story there is helping parents recognize that they need to walk alongside parents on the, I mean, walk alongside professionals on this journey. And they need to have the mindset and the language to veer from that path because nobody knows what their child needs better than they themselves. So it's kind of this dance you do when you're walking alongside. I've found that it doesn't help to be um, inflammatory, but also to have that sense of, I know what my kid needs. And out of that strength, be able to veer from that path as necessary. So that was one. Um, I also was thankful every day um, for um, what I call the daily do-overs, because as you try to parent, as we all know, um, there are plenty of times when we are not at our best. And so I chronicle in there, not the story of a perfect person at all, far from it, but how, um, how really the work of high expectations parenting is hanging in there and looking at those, as I say, those next 15 yards for your child. And even when you make mistakes, we get those do-overs. We get those do-overs. So I'm mm. for that and, um, you know, thankful that it is only in his tell-all book that he can, that he can um, catalog all those things that I did wrong, but that he was, <laughs> that, that he was um, patient enough and had just good to the core and had enough largesse to allow me to make those mistakes. Um, I'm also found in writing the book that I am grateful for the ability we have to control our fear. And that was one of the things I really had to learn throughout this practice of high expectation parenting, which is um, learning what our, identifying what our fears are and not transferring those onto our children and mm-hmm. recognizing we don't have to. We don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, some of, the, some of the ideas we nurse and hold, hold dear, like if my child's not okay, then I'm not okay. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. That's, our fear, that's our problem. Or if our child shows up like this, what's that gonna mean? How will we be treated? What will happen? Or how do I have to, as I say in one chapter, um, how do people, how parents get really caught up in making things safer, better, and more comfortable for their child, when really what they need to do is probably make things a little harder because we know that it is in the challenge that would move our, our children forward. So I talk a lot about um, how stepping out of the comfort zone and, and you hear so often, especially with kids with challenges, well, I thought it, I thought he'd be safer or I thought it would be better or I thought he'd be more comfortable. And I would argue just the opposite, that those are exactly the kids who we need to, who we need to put out 
in those situations so that they have those experiences that always keep our kids um, on their learning edge so that whether it's behavioral, um, social, or academically, they're always moving forward. Because that's one thing that one of our best uh, professionals that we work with reminded me when Jack was really little, and that was unless he's always challenged, he's going to hit a plateau. And so I was aware of that, and always being aware of that is critical. So I think um, that that gratitude nugget was around the learning the ability to control my own fear um, and letting myself be in some of those uncomfortable situations where I give him a little much, little too much to do, and maybe two gallons of milk get get smashed on the ground, and, and the milk is flowing down the sidewalk, but I gave him that chance. I gave him that opportunity, and I gave him the message that I thought he could do it, that I didn't have to give him less to do because of those challenges, that he could do whatever yeah. he wants. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I, I have, um, I think I have, I have a lot of gratitude for the good times, because there are so many. Um, positive and finding those positive nuggets wherever you are in that parenting journey um, but also gratitude for the hard times um, I remember sitting in a high school gym and just dying as as my son was overlooked once again um, when he was part of a team but folks didn't even realize he was part of a team so even in those hard times being able to see there was gratitude in recognizing, wait a minute, if we're talking about preparing our kids to live in the real world, there's going to be those times when things are just not going to be that good. When they're swimming in the in the big pond with all the fish, they're going to be looked over. And sometimes things are just going to kind of frankle stop, and that's okay. But if we protect them, shelter them from those things, they lose some dignity in that. And there is dignity in taking those risks. And sometimes things just turn out okay, or things don't turn out that well at all. But we still we still have the opportunity to make those choices. And nobody, nobody is to take those choices away from our children. Yeah. So those are some of the things that I think some of the just surprising sources of gratitude that welled up as I was, um, you know, in the, deep in the writing process. Right, because you had to revisit all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it in, in detail, in full technicolor. And I can imagine some, some of those parts you probably never really wanted to think about again. And the mm-hmm. fact that you went to, you know, went to the depths for the world to understand and for maybe someone, one person, two people, 20 people, who knows how many people will be helped by your story. You know, I thank you because, again, not only is it going to be informative and helpful to people, it is entertaining to read. Um, so thank you. Thank you, too, so much, Lori. And, and uh, I will, I'm going to continue to, I think, as I polish and finish, uncover even more 
you know, opportunities to be grateful because I've got now people responding. And when they say, hey, you know, I noticed this or me too, this happened with my kid. Or I realized that I didn't have to be afraid. Or I realized I could let him step out there even if he might, even if the best might not happen or someone might be out there that might um, give him a sideways glance or, or look at him askance. And I realized I could do that and let that happen. I think that's a win um, for that child. So um, those will all be, I think, ongoing kind of cascading sources of, of gratitude for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that um, the when we get the date for the book to come out, I cannot wait. We have to do a little another, you know, little celebration podcast because I think it's really, really exciting. And, you know, I was thinking of a quote that went based on what you were just saying from Brene Brown. Um, she says, if you are brave with your life, which is what you're doing now and what you did all the way through, if you're brave with your life, you are going to get your ass kicked. And so yes. <laughs> in the in the land of parenting, in the land of, you know, allowing our children to get their asses kicked, it, it, it can be really transformative. And we can be, be that uh, more like that man in the arena, right? The person actually doing the things rather than just talking about it. So thank you so much again for joining me here in this weird way to, you know, get the message out and to really share the stories because that's what I want to do here is to share stories that can inspire people to practice gratitude to notice gratitude more in their life and to do it through story because I think that like you said that is first of all selfishly my favorite way to learn it's my it just it makes me so happy because I can like you said I can feel what's happening with the person more and I can be inside of that story and so I I so excited for you so excited for you and cannot wait um so keep us posted Thank you so much, Lori. Love you, sister. My pleasure. Thanks. Bye-bye. As we wrap up this episode, let's take a moment to practice. <sighs> take a deep breath in and ask yourself, what can you find to be thankful for? Just drop in the question and see what comes up. Something as simple as food on the table or good health, whatever comes to mind. And then appreciate that one thing deeply. And then maybe just for today, imagine that you can breathe out this gratitude in the world as you fill yourself to overflowing with gratitude with each exhalation, see that same gratitude flowing out into the world. Breathe it in, breathe it out. Breathing in gratitude, breathing out gratitude. Ah, such a sweet practice. Thank you again for joining me today here on Gratitude Sandwich. For more, visit my website, lauribisser.com, where you can get more information about life coaching with me, 
read my blog, and download a free guided meditation to increase your creativity and your connectivity with yourself and others, becoming more present to your experience of this amazing life. Check out my YouTube channel for yoga classes and meditations you can enjoy anytime. Offer me some fuel for my gratitude work by leaving me a five-star review on iTunes so I can keep going with you on this gratitude journey. Thank you for joining me today. I am grateful for you.